This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. So Robin Farman, Farmian, I probably messed it up, didn't I? It was pretty good. Okay, so how do you say your last name? Farman Farmian. I'll call you Robin. Just like I tell people, just call me Mark. You don't have to worry about Mark Stucheski. Uh, welcome to my life. <laughs> Although we had a rough start there, um, it was interesting uh, because it was saying, you have no internet. I'm like, well, Robin and I are talking right now before we went live, and I know we have internet. So uh, anyways, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. And you're out in sunny California, is that right? Yep, I'm in downtown Palo Alto, about a mile from Stanford University. Wow, so you're close to uh, Apple then, Cupertino? Yep, yep. Wow. probably about 15-minute drive. Have you been to the spaceship? Have you driven by there? I have, yes. Wow, that's that's an impressive building. Yes, it is. been there, but you can see it uh, from space. And uh, if you go on Apple Maps, it's crystal clear. I <laughs> wonder why that is. <laughs> I, I, I have no idea. <laughs> it's all conspiracy. So uh, before we get into you want to talk a little bit about healthcare, a little about virtual events. But you are the co-founder of Face, Face Touch Aware. What in the yes. world is that? So Face Touch Aware is an Apple Watch app that I co-developed with two neuroscientists and a physician. And it's specifically to help make you aware when you touch your face so that you can uh, break the habit. And this wow. is specifically not when you're in your house. It's when, you, when you're outside of your house that you most worry about touching your face after, such, say, touching an elevator button or money or something like that. That is interesting because, you know, obviously, if you're not aware, we're going through this co uh, global zombie apocalypse pandemic. And, you know, I'm certainly not a denier. Um, there are a lot of people out there who are saying that, you know, it's not real. COVID is not real. I, I believe COVID is real. I believe it is um, it is killing people. People are getting sick. And what's interesting is the other day I saw a video from Joe Rogan that said he canceled his shows for a week because his producer got COVID. And what he said is his his uh, producer got sick mm -hmm. and he felt like crap the first day, got a little better. And then the third day he was like 90 percent. And I said, uh oh, because three days ago I got really sick, got better the next day and now I feel better. So my wife and I are going to go test it for covid tomorrow. And I guess some people we all get it differently. You know, now I work from home most of the time. I very rarely venture out of my house. I'm like a hermit. Um, so, you know, I don't really wear masks because I don't wear masks around the home. Uh, but it's really interesting. Now, I don't know if I got COVID. I have no idea if I got it. I won't know until I get the test done. Uh, but it's kind of weird that I, the reason why I think I may have it is because I watched this video from um, Joe Rogan who said how his producer got it. I'm like, that's exactly what I went through. I mean, three days ago, I thought I was going to die. And all of a sudden, I just got over it. It's like, okay, that's really weird. But, but maybe not. Maybe it's a flu. Maybe it's a virus. I have no idea. I'm certainly not a doctor. I don't have a COVID test here at home. And so, but it's interesting how the world we live in now, you know, uh, we got to wash our hands, which is kind of weird because you're supposed to be washing your hands your entire life. You're not supposed to wash them just during COVID. Come on, folks. Right. And if you're sick, you're not supposed to go out. Hello, folks. Um, <laughs> I mean, this is not new for COVID. Okay. Let's keep our, let's keep our senses about us. So talk to us a little bit about you know, your, your sense, your insights of what's going on in the world today. So yes, um, definitely COVID is real, but going beyond COVID, right? It's not even just about the coronavirus. You want to reduce your risk of getting any type of viral or bacterial infection of any kind, right? And so that's why not only do you want to make sure you don't touch your nose, mouth, and eye area, 
but that you wear masks because we know that if you wear a lot of masks, we might even have a much lighter flu season. And the reason you care so much about not getting colds, not getting E. coli, right, which is a bacteria, not getting regular flu is because every time you get one of these, it really taxes your immune system and you are creating inflammation in your body. So you are aging your cells, you are aging what you look like, so you will look actually older every time. In addition, you are just overtaxing a lot of your organs because not only are you probably dehydrated, you've got that inflammation going on. It's it's the best case scenario is to not get sick. Prevention, prevention, prevention is the first thing you want to do with everything. But especially infectious disease, you can control your risk. Now, here's my question for you, because you sound like you're more uh, familiar with the stuff than I am. I'm not a doctor. I don't play one on TV or my podcast. But I thought that the immune system, the good thing about the immune system is when you expose the viruses, that it teaches the immune system how to fight the disease. So isn't it a good idea to be exposed to these illnesses so our body can, the next time it comes around, we can fight it off? Isn't, I thought that's what the immune system was built on. So what you're talking about is getting antibodies. So when you get, say, some type of a virus, your immune system goes on attack and they send out their white blood cells, which are essentially their frontline soldiers, right? They're the, they're the ones that go out first. Anytime that you are causing that, you are causing inflammation, first of all. Second of all, once you build up those antibodies, they do not last, right? They do not last. So you are causing damage to your body. And that's why when you get the flu one year, it's you, you're still susceptible for getting the flu later on, even in that same year, because not only um, do your on- antibodies may, may not last, right? But there are so many strains. I mean, there are so many different strains of flus and colds and different bacteria strains that you can get into your body that can wreak havoc that um, what are you going to do? You're going to get inoculized by building up antibodies to 2000 diseases. Right. Now that that's a good point, because when they come out with a flu vaccine, it, it's not 100 percent effective because they cannot know every strain that's out there. So they're just and correct me if I'm wrong. They're just saying, OK, these are the major ones. So we'll put the antibodies for the major ones. But there's going to be some out there that we can't protect them. on. Is that is that correct? Absolutely. And not only that, but I I make sure to get my flu shot around September, October, but not any earlier. And there's a couple of reasons for that. First of all, you know, it all comes out around September to begin with, because that's kind of the cycle. But if you had it done too early, like say you got a flu shot in July, that actually would not protect you for the entire season Mm. because it wears off right? The antibodies wear off. And that's one of the big discussions going around with the coronavirus is maybe we have antibodies for three months. Maybe, right? Maybe we are protected for three months. Maybe we are protected for six months. We're not really sure, but we do realize that it is not a lifelong immunity. That's that's interesting because my wife goes, she's one of these people who gives blood and platelets and they test your blood. And one time she went, she had antibodies. The next time she went, she didn't have antibodies. And you're saying because they eventually wear off. Exactly. Isn't that interesting? And I and I read someplace that COVID's got like it keeps mutating. It just yep. mutates and mutates and mutates. And that begs the question. Uh, I'd like to know your thoughts on this. You're not a doctor, are you? No, no, I'm okay. not. Okay. So uh, here's my question for you is uh, there, everybody's hoping for a vaccine. How can you come up with a vaccine for something that keeps mutating? Isn't it like an impossibility? That's what we do with the flu. Okay. 
Every year we do it for the flu, right? Okay. We, it, we just treat each mutation as a new strain. Okay. That's all it is, right? And so if we can do it for the flu, we're going to be able to do it for the coronavirus as well. Okay. That, that's interesting. Like I, like I said, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. I just, I'm just amazed at all the stuff coming on. And I'm really amazed at the number of people when COVID first hit, they said, start washing your hands and, and don't go out when you're sick. And people are like, oh, that's great. And I, I remember thinking to myself, I told my wife, I said, you mean people in the wa- haven't been washing their hands their entire lives? This is scary because they think washing your hands is a COVID thing. No, it's a, it's a life thing thing you should be doing washing your hands not going out when you're sick well i gotta go to work i'm like oh so you're gonna infect the whole office you know i don't care covid the flu it doesn't matter you're supposed to stay home you're not supposed to go out and like now you know you're not supposed to congregate and i remember i saw a story about a a couple weeks ago some guy had covid Mm -hmm. and so he he said he's doing the right thing he stayed home and had a house party i'm sorry what what he goes i'm not breaking the law i'm staying home like does someone have to <laughs> write this out for you? You stay home without anybody coming over, okay? But he didn't get that part. I just thought, I'm sure you heard that story. There's a couple other stories where people having parties, uh, you know, and everybody, everybody gets sick. And and some people are saying, well, yeah, we all get sick, then we're immune. Uh, no, now they're finding out that's not true. So right. uh, I think it goes down to common sense, Robin. And common sense is always common practice. If you're sick, don't go out, you know, be, wash your hands. You know, I've got the, I got an Apple watch too. And with I watch OS seven, you come home and it says, Hey, wash your hands. What's amazing. It's so accurate. I can go running a mile around my house. Oh, I run for three miles. So I run around my neighborhood and it knows when I go home, wash your hands. I haven't touched anything. Okay. I'm just running by myself. I haven't touched anything, doorknobs or anything, but it obviously doesn't know that, but it's just, you know, it's just. Common sense. Just use yep. common sense. And I think if we just stop and use common sense, I think a lot of these problems would take care of themselves. But um, I don't know. What do you think about that? So it's a combination of both common sense, but there's a lot of misinformation out there. Yes. right? And there's a lot of people who are susceptible to misinformation. Not only that, but some of the misinformation is really good at targeting people so that it comes from a person of trust. And when a person of trust shares something on their social media, you believe it more. And mm-hmm. once you kind of set your mind around, oh, I read that and, and that fits within my belief system, it's very difficult to get people to change their mind and yeah. to relearn something. And so a lot of it comes down to human psychology and this brainwashing we're getting with a lot of this false information. Yeah, I always tell people, stay informed but not obsessed. and. Be careful who you're listening to. Uh, I will listen to a scientist or a doctor more than I will listen to some reporter who's bloviating on TV because they're not they're not a report, they're, they're reporting. But let's say they are have a different political point of view for you. I don't think healthcare should be part of the politics. I think you should just report. Here are the facts, and there are people who are, you know, I've seen stories. I live in Houston. There's p- stories where people go out and if they see someone not wearing a mask, they assault them. Um, no, that's not appropriate. Okay. You don't assault somebody. First of all, you're not the police. Second of all, you know, be not more people are going to, what's the old saying? You track more bees to honey than new vinegar. So, yep. Hey, listen, say, listen, do you realize blah, 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 and explain your situation, but to physically attack someone who insult them. I mean, that's to me, that's because I'm not, if you insult me, I'm not going to listen to anything you'd say now. Are you just insulting yeah. me? Why am I going to listen to you? And so just use common sense. So um, so we talked a little bit about healthcare. Let's talk about virtual events because 
I don't know when it is going to be when we return to going to conferences. Everything's virtual now, which is okay with me because what people don't realize about me maybe is six months before COVID hit, I decided I didn't want to be a speaker anymore. I just want to do everything from the comfort of my own home. I'm like a hermit. I mean, I come out. I'm an extrovert. I'm actually technically an ambivert, so I'm on camera or in front of a crowd. I'm an extrovert. Any other time, I'm like, I don't want anybody around. Okay. But first of all, let me ask you this question. When do you think that life will return to normal in terms of we go to our conferences, you know, those conferences that used to be all around the the world, and we start seeing speaking and presence? I'm thinking fall of 2021 at the earliest. When do you think it's going to be? So I believe... It will be um, one of three things happen. First, that thing that happens is that we do get a vaccine or our treatments become reliably better. So if we have one or the other, that can change the game pretty quickly or comprehensive universal testing. Because if we have on-demand 15-minute tests, that means everyone before they go into the conference literally could get a test done. Right. And if you can do that, then we'll start to see a lot more going on in that world. There are a ton of tests that have cleared the FDA and something like 14,000 new new things that are trying to get through the FDA right now that are on an emergency use basis, specifically around things like the coronavirus or the shift in healthcare delivery to the patient's home. Um, the third thing is, yes, maybe we suddenly just start going slowly back in. There's one conference I know that's happening in person in November. Uh, there's a few other ones that I've heard of that are happening in person. And so some of these smaller gatherings are already starting. Uh, by the time, though, for conventions, like the big gi- giant conventions, it will need to be after a viral, uh, after a vaccine or a treatment or that, that testing, or it's not going to be probably till 2022. Now, you have a lot of information, but you're not a doctor. So are you just an informed citizen? No, no, no. So I am a professional speaker on healthcare technology. So I'm an expert on technological applications and the shift in healthcare delivery from clinical trials to uh, IV meds in the home. And I work on early stage pharmaceutical med device as well as artificial intelligence software. Ah, okay, good. Now, what do you think about, uh, I read a fantastic book by John Barry, uh, The Great Influenza, and about the Spanish flu of 1918, which I learned something very interesting, and not too many people know this. Do you know why it was called the Spanish flu? Hey there, it's Mark. I just wanted to hop in here real quick to invite you to check out MrProductivity.com to find out how to be coached by me for less than a dollar a day. Get my top five productivity tips and so much more. It all happens over at MrProductivity.com. It probably originally started in Spain the same way the coronavirus started in China. That's what everyone thinks. What happened was this is back in World War One. Okay. Mm -hmm. And John Barry talks about this in his book. So I'm not making this up. Um, Every most companies, countries back then had a censorship on the news. And so it started in a small town in Louisiana or Kansas, something like that here in America. Okay. The first country that talked about it was Spain. So it's always been known as Spanish flu, but it actually originated in America. I did not know that until I read the book. I'm like, what? Yeah. Because everybody had a news blackout. They didn't want to let people know that it started in their country. But there's a fact. Uh-huh. I did not know that. So you can fact check it. Go get John Barry's fantastic book, The Great Influenza. He talks about it in the book. And, and then here's the thing about the Spanish flu is it came out of nowhere. They didn't know all these people started getting sick and dying. They're like, what's going on? Of course, they did the mask, the social distancing. And all of a sudden, it just stopped. 
as far as I know, as of today, they don't know what happened. It just like stopped. And I'm like, could that happen with coronavirus? I mean, obviously we don't know. I can't project the future. But it's just really weird because it just stopped Mm -hmm. and they don't know what happened. And I'm like, that would drive me crazy. As a scientist, it would drive me crazy. Like, okay, why did it stop? I mean, was it a herd mentality? Did it burn itself? They don't know. As far as I know, nobody knows. And I find that fascinating because obviously you can't go in the future and look back at when COVID-19 ends because that'd be great if we could say, yeah, it's going to end on this day. Um, But I just find it fascinating. So going forward, I mean, do you think that these virtual events that everyone's attending now, do you think those are going to be more a part of our society than they were pre-COVID? Yes and no. So as much as possible, that's going to go back into in-person. That's going to happen. People are really missing that. There are things that you just cannot deliver in the virtual world. And it's really that networking component and getting business done. What will go on and be sustainable is a hybrid model, right? So CES being done in person for 100,000 people or, or maybe they cut back to 50,000 or something for the, you know, 2022, but then making it universally, you know, viewable so that they have all of their content also on that virtual hybrid world. Let me ask you your thoughts on, before I give you my thoughts, uh, Disney World and Universal in Florida, they opened up like yes. back in March. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, they're doing the social distancing, reduced capacity mask. Before I tell you my thoughts, what are your thoughts? Should they have, if you were the CEO, would you have opened it or would you waited? So we are six or seven months into this. I would, um, in my eyes, we should really be mitigating risk, right? And, and opening up a lot of the economy require masks required, hand sanitizers, social distancing, all of the different rules that we know, or at least we think at this point really make a significant difference. And that is also thinning out that crowd. But by everyone being really conscientious, all right, um, we can start to open up a little bit more because there's that flip side of it. We can all stay hermits in our home, but we're running out of money. We're, um, you know, huge number of small businesses are going out of business. Even here in Palo Alto, we've got, we're seeing restaurants closing and things like that. And so people need to not only earn a living, but we need to, you know, have life go on. So really mitigating risk and making sure that, that you're doing everything possible, wearing that mask, washing your hands, making sure if you feel even slightly sick, you stay home. But again, if you were the CEO, would you have said, listen, yeah, it'd be nice to open up for our employees, but it's more important that we open up other businesses in Florida. If you were the CEO of Walt Disney World, would you have reopened or would you said, look, we're not really essential. Uh, the other parts of the country should open first. If it came down to you, would you make a decision to open or stay closed? So I would look at what the uh, infection rate it was going on. I actually am not really up to date on what Florida's doing. I'm in California. Mm-hmm. But um, if it if the state was opening and that was the general thing that was going on and the numbers weren't overwhelming, like the ICUs weren't overwhelming and overflowing, then maybe yes, because it's not just Disney World to give people a good time, right? This is supporting tens of thousands of employees. Those employees spend money in the community by bringing in tourists into the community. They're spending money on those small businesses that otherwise would go out of business. Right. I mean, look at places like Austin. When they have South by Southwest, those businesses make the money that they need for most of the year in a three week period. 
Mm-hmm. Right. And so they're not just supporting Disney World. They're not just showing people a good time. What they are doing is really supporting. It's a, it's, it's not trickle down economics, right? That's a very different thing, but it does it. Once you start spending throughout the economy, then it, it's a reoccurring revenue, right? Mm-hmm. Everything starts to move. Yeah. My, my issue is I'm a huge Disney World fan. Love the mouse, love the world, but I would not have opened. And here's why. Number one, only people like apparently only people in Florida can go because they're really restricted travel. And the other thing is there's I know my parents live in Florida. Like you can't go get a haircut, but you can go to Disney World. And I'm like, no, I would run to save small businesses. I mean, let's face it. If you go to Disney World and you go take your family there, it costs you five, six, seven thousand dollars. I'm not going to go there at a time when I had to wear a mask and you can spend $7,000 on a vacation and take a picture in front of Cinderella's castle in a mask. I'm going to, you know, I'm not, I go to Disney world. I've been there like 35 times. I won't go back until the mask are gone until this whole COVID thing's done because that's to me, that's not Disney world. I also don't think Disney world is essential. I mean, yes, we need to open for the cast members. They need to make money. I get that. But there's a lot of businesses, to your point, that have gone out of business because like, especially in California, Disneyland still can't open yet. Because yep. you can't have, and so those people are furloughed. They're laid off. They don't have any income. I think we need to open up like businesses that can do curbside, you know, to get the economy going. I don't think the amusement parks are a priority in my opinion. I think we need to open up more small businesses. That's my opinion, and that's coming from a guy who loves Disney World. But sorry, Mickey and Minnie, I think there's other things more important than you. Do you agree or not agree with me? Oh yeah, but that's okay. why when I first said, um, I'm like, it depends on what the state, where the state yeah. is, right? Yeah. Like what what level they're at. So if they haven't even opened up things like hairdressers at all, then of course not. They shouldn't be opening it. Yeah. Well, I know that Disney and Universal is hem- hemorrhaging money, but you know, it's like now when they first open at 25 percent capacity, you know, they didn't have anybody there. You could go there, wear a mask all day long, and you could ride everything you want all day long. Now it's bumping up to 25% capacity. In the beginning, it's probably like 10%. Now it's getting more crowded. Now more and more people are hanging around. And I mean, you can have social distancing. You can have, uh, you know, wearing a mask. But the point is, there's not enough Disney cast members or employees at Universal. I don't know what they call them there. They can't monitor and go around with a tape measure. And at some point, you got to say, wait a minute, you guys are congregating here. You got to move along. And it's really difficult. You can't monitor and police every uh, citizen of this country. And I, that's why when you, you know, I don't think it's, it's be over a year, I think till the cruise line starts going because they're oh, in a confined, yeah. they're on a confined, you can't go anywhere. At least Disney world, you can get in your car and leave the cruise. You can't, we can jump in the ocean. I mean, <laughs> you just can't go anywhere. I mean, I'm going to fly out to my parents. They live in Florida in about a couple of weeks. I'm kind of apprehensive. You know, I got to, you know, go on a plane, but it's my father's having surgery. My mom's got Alzheimer's. So I've got to go out there as their son. And I'm kind of like, I have not flown since COVID. Have you? No, I haven't been on a plane since February. Okay. So I'm not looking forward to it, but I got to go out there to help my t- parents. So it's, it's non-negotiable. Um, so I'm going to do all the precautions. I'm going to drink a gallon of Germex. Don't drink Germex. I'm just being facetious here. Uh, wear the mask and all this other stuff. But, uh, you know, I also believe that you shouldn't stress over this. You should be exercise common sense. But if you go around going, oh, my gosh, I'm going to get COVID. Oh, my gosh, I'm going to get COVID. And you freak yourself out. I think you're just inviting it into yourself. You know, I'm not saying that you are, you can supernaturally attract it to yourself, but if all you do is worrying, um, the, the science has shown that the people who worry a lot tend to get sick more. And so listen, if you get sick, you get sick. Don't assume the worst. Don't assume the ventilator. Don't assume you're going to die because 
I'm a positive person. Okay. I believe I get sick and I'm get better. Okay. But so many people, they, they just assume the worst is going to happen. They're the ones going to be on the respirator for, for, for three months. Don't, don't go there. Do you find that people all make go to the negative when they're talking about COVID? Well, it's always uh, what kind of person they are, right? So if they generally think on a negative side, then they're going to think negatively in this situation. If they are generally thinking on the positive side, they're going to think positively in this situation, right? And so per- people's personalities don't change. And the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. And so that's just a way of life for them. You can't change how they're going to view the coronavirus because it's the way they live their life. That's true. But do you think, in your personal opinion, no science here, do you think that people who are worry warts, who are negative nannies or Nellies, do you think that they are more susceptible to getting sick or do you think that's a bunch of... So they are definitely more susceptible to certain things. Absolutely. If you are constantly under stress and think something is going to happen... Uh, you're causing, again, that inflammation in your body. Uh, high anxiety people, they have, you know, more stomach issues. Uh, I personally have Crohn's disease. I'm not a high anxiety person necessarily, but um, I do understand what it's like to have a GI thing. And I know stress has a massive impact on anything to do with your digestive system. Not only that, but uh, say you have a terminal disease. It is, you know, a lot of the time you see people who are really positive they actually come out of it a little bit better, right? They feel a little bit better. And I'm a chronic pain patient. So I know that by being really positive in days that I'm super happy, I'm in significantly less pain. And then say I've had a bad day or I'm really stressed out or something horrible happened, my body feels it like I'm in pretty extreme pain. So yes, your psychological state has a massive impact on your physical state. Excellent. So you're an author, you've written several books. So tell us what the books are and what they're about. So the, uh, the patient as CEO, how technology empowers the healthcare consumer. It is a book really on AI, robotics, sensors, 3D printing. I really explain some of these fast moving technologies to a, to a, a non-medical audience, but in addition, really kind of show you what's going on in the world of healthcare. My second book is The Thought Leader Formula, Strategically Leverage Your your Expertise to Drive Business and Career Goals. And that's really just step-by-step instructions on how to become known for your ideas, right? Um, it's It starts out from zero. So even if you don't have any social media accounts and you want to become a $10,000 keynote speaker, it will take you through that process. And, and then my, these, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, oh. I was going to, I thought you, because you had three books. Yep. My third oh, that's one. awesome. My third one is facilitating virtual events, driving participant engagement and interaction. And this was kind of one of my other things that I wanted to do around the coronavirus because I saw so many companies and events struggling on really what to do in the virtual space. And I was like, oh, I can punch out this book in a month and a half and just give it to some of my friends. And so that was what that third one is for. And are all these books available at Amazon and Barnes & Noble? Amazon. Absolutely. Excellent. So you're an Apple Watch girl, obviously, because face touch away, uh, touch face touch aware. I can't read my own writing is an app on there. I one of the things that really attracted me. My first bought my first watch, a Series Three, a couple of years ago, and I got the Series Five cellular uh, last year. I love the fact that it's driven mainly first about health. I love closing my rings every single day, and I think. I think everyone should have an Apple Watch or some kind of technology to remind you to stand at least once an hour for 12 hours to, to move and to exercise because we are now sitting in front of our computers way too much. 
And we need to get up and move. We need to go for walks. Like I run every day or maybe you swim every day or biking. And, and so what are your thoughts about the Apple Watch? I mean, you're probably an Apple Watch wearer, right? Yes. Um, and what it is, is uh, the Apple Watch actually last year outsold the in- entire Swiss watch industry. So there's wow. more than 15. Yeah. <laughs> More than 50 million are distributed, and it has a single lead EKG monitor that is clinical grade, cleared the FDA. Why you care about that is because it's measuring for something called AFib, which is usually a silent disease. But if you do have it, you are five times more likely to have a stroke. And so, yeah, so that's just their first clinical grade medical device. They will probably be doing SpO2, which is blood oxygen level. We all now know about blood oxygen level when we're dealing with the coronavirus. They'll also be going into probably continuous glucose monitoring, I'm guessing, uh, as well as blood pressure monitoring. Those are two things that I am guessing they haven't said they're going to do it, but that's kind of the way it's going. Well, Series 6, which just came out, because I'm a nerd, I watch all the keynotes, they do have the blood oxygen now. Yes. And and I'm like, you know, my Series 5 works really well. And to me, just getting a better battery and blood oxygen, it's not worth upgrading at this point. So I usually do every two years. Yeah. Um, but when someone says to me, what do you like better, your iPhone or watch? Watch. <laughs> They're like, what? I love my watch. Because here's the thing about the watch. I love my watch because I have a cellular watch, right? And yeah. I read Cal Newport's book, um, Digital Minimalism, which everyone should yes. read. Okay. A lot of times I'll go to the to church or to the store without my phone. And people ah. go, How do you do that? I'm like, I'm 55. When I first started driving way back in 1970 something, if you want to take a phone in your car, you had to unconnect it from the wall in the house, you know, and put in your, yeah. you couldn't use it, but you have in the house. There was no internet. There were no apps. And I would drive to the store. And if I had to go shopping, I'd have a, a notebook. This is crazy. A little list on the right down. So I encourage people to leave your technology behind every once in a while because it's okay. <laughs> you know, but I, I love my watch because I love, it's a game to myself. I'm like, okay, did I walk enough? Did I exercise enough? Because if you don't have something reminding you, you're, you'll start justifying yourself. Well, I did enough. Yeah. I don't know. You're looking kind of pudgy there. I don't think you did enough exercise. But I'm just fascinated to see where Apple Watch goes. I agree with you. I mean, my wife's got high blood pressure. I think down the road, we're going to have that included. I mean, yep. the whole thing with the uh, the ECG it's amazing. I mean, it's incredible what you can do on a watch now. And it really annoys me. People go, well, the battery doesn't last very long. you got a mainframe computer on your wrist. How long do you expect the battery to last? A week? I mean, it's Absolutely. a mainframe computer. So, I mean, I love my Apple Watch. I think they did a tremendous job with it. They did. They did. So, any final thoughts before we end the, the broadcast? No, today? it's been wonderful. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for being such a charming guest. And thank you for sharing all your insights. Thank you. I'll see you soon. And just before we go, don't forget to head on over to my website, mrproductivity.com, M-I-S-T-E-R, mrproductivity.com. Find out how I can coach you for less than a dollar a day. No joke. And also, you can get my top five productivity tips and so much more. It all happens at mrproductivity.com. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchowski Podcast. Until we meet again, my friend, go be productive.